1: Good morning. I'm Ann Romer, and welcome to Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine. Friend of the show, champion jockey Flo Giroux joins us today. Flo is one busy jockey as fairgrounds in New Orleans is hosting a potpourri of stakes races today, including the Risen Star Stakes and early Kentucky Derby prep race. Flo, who has been the winner of over 1,700 races in North America and has purse earnings of over $144 million, joins us to talk about his successful career so far and today's stakes-filled card at fairgrounds. It's going to be very exciting. And still with jockeys, Vernon Bush has ridden in over 25,000 races, winning more than 3,200 of them and rode the winners of over 24 million during his long career. But today, you know what? We're celebrating the fact that the young 61-year-old Vernon was named recently the winner of the Randy Romero Pure Courage Award given to a jockey that has overcome injuries and adversity. So in Vernon's case, he returned to riding after back-to-back injuries, having put him out of riding for two years while recovering from broken bones. With Perseverance, Vernon won a race at Belterra Park in May of last year, which saw his first victory in more than four and a half years. He is our guest today, Vernon Bush. In addition, friend of the show, Woodbine Mohawk Park handicapper Garnet Barnsdale is joining us. Garnet will break down tonight's card at Woodbine Mohawk Park and try to come up with a couple of betting plays. He will also talk about the season that was in 2022 and the season that could be in 2023. And finally, well, he's back. My co-host Larry Simpson will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine Mohawk Park and some other great North American tracks racing today with our Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a great show. Please get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready for some overtime action. When we come back, Larry Simpson will join us as we catch up on recent horse racing news.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing and Rocket Ship Racing more from the track when we come back on 105.9 The Region
2: go from Dark Horse to winner Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy to use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you it's AI powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate
0: This is 105.9 The Region, Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing and Rocketship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson.
1: Welcome back to Ponies Twenty Four Seven, the radio magazine. I'm Ann Romer, and let me introduce you to my incredible co-host, Larry Simpson. I learn a lot from you every single week, oh, really, thank truly. You. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure recording with you. And you've got some news, and some of it is not great. Some horse racing news.
4: Uh, yeah, uh, this past Wednesday night, uh, there was a fire at Rideau Carlton Raceway in Ottawa. Oh. How were the horses? uh, The the horses weren't involved. It was the paddock, and they're not racing there until, like, March the 19th. They open up, but they were using the paddock for storage. I understand the starting gate uh, was in there. I guess it was caught in the fire, but uh, there was no horses. So so no fatalities. No fatalities, and I guess the backstretch is still going to be open because there are horses stabled there, and the backstretch will be open for the... uh, uh, the trainers have to go in to feed their horses and that. So
1: What about the opening up for them of the season? Will that be delayed because uh, of the fire? They haven't,
4: they haven't made any announcement on that yet. I guess they will make an announcement uh, you know, within the next few days because they are supposed to start, I, I believe it's March 19th. So.
1: I want to take us from Ottawa, uh, where that fire took place, to maybe a, a little uh, more positive news at this point and, and somebody who is a superstar when it comes to jockeys. Flo Giroux joins us now on Ponies 24. 24-7, uh, champion jockey, uh, and he is at Fairgrounds Racetrack in New Orleans. A very busy day of riding for you today. Flo, welcome to Ponies 24-7. I know you've mm-hmm. been with us before. A pleasure that you have returned to us. Thanks uh,
5: for inviting me again.
4: You had a successful 2022 season. Let's talk first about the 2023 season going forward um, and the Pegasus, especially, in Cyber Where I'm, You obviously had to be disappointed with that result, eh?
5: Yeah, exactly. No, we thought he is capable, and we know he's capable of much uh, better than uh, how he ran in the. Uh, Pegasus. I just thought you know the the outside draw, you know, he couldn't really go in the way I wanted, and uh, it's not a secret. It's a very uh, speed favoring track, mm-hmm. and I think those horses who who were pretty much one two, three, that's the way they finished. I was a bit disappointed, but you know, uh, still uh, still had a great career, and we are, we managed to win two grade one uh, last year. It was good, and uh, I'm hoping it would be a very successful uh, stallion now.
1: And, and Flo, what happened with Cyberknife? What happened that disappointed you with, with the, the race results?
5: Well, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, the, the, the way he ran, I, I said it's capable of better, but I think maybe uh, the, the trip, uh, I couldn't really uh, come in as much as I would love to. I was just blocked, you know, by all the horses and the... the, the the draw was very tough,
6: mm-hmm.
5: and uh, they didn't go very fast. Uh, I think if the pace was a little bit stronger, the race would have been a little bit different, you know, the race would have been a little more spread out, but since we didn't go very fast, uh, everybody was like bunched up together, and uh, it would make it very hard to to go inside.
4: You alluded to it before too, Flo, that not all horses can adapt to the Gulfstream surface, right, the, especially the dirt surface.
5: Yeah, no, it is, you know, I mean, uh, usually the very good ones, they take the, the racetrack with them, but uh, I believe, you know, it's a very good horse. But I think the uh, the trip and the uh, the pace scenario had a lot to do with uh, the yeah. performance.
1: Can we talk about what's going to happen today? I believe that you're riding a horse by the name of Tappet's Conquest in the Risen Star. Tell me about Tappet's history, Tappet uh, itself, and and then offspring, Tappet's Conquest.
5: They all seem to be uh, uh, runners, you know, I and mean, most of them. And uh, the great thing I would say about Tapit, uh, you know, is like, a, no uh, distance limitation. He won the Belmont a few times uh, as, a, as a sire. And uh, his horses, they seem to get uh, the distance without any problem. And uh, that's the way I feel with Tapit Conquest. Uh, there's no doubt uh, he will get the distance. He's going to be one of the horses who's going to be a benefit from, uh, from the added distance, the minor eight. And uh, I'm hoping uh, he can turn the table on some others today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe he's, uh, he's still an uh, improving horse.
1: And what is your relationship like with Tappet's Conquest?
5: I've ridden him uh, the past two times, three times actually. One time uh, the race was cancelled uh, almost at the end. This race didn't really count, and it's not, uh, it's not on it. But um, yeah. no, he ran great last time. Uh, there was a good uh, education race. He was down inside, he was a little bit hesitant. And he just really uh, came through right at the end. The last 50 yards, he really stick his neck in there and uh, got up to great. So obviously uh, that was a good experience for him, and hopefully he can uh, he learned a lot from from that race and he can improve. And I believe he, uh, he improved from the race, and he's been working very good uh, for this race.
4: In the Rachel Alexandra Stakes today, you've got a, a horse by the name of uh, Chop Chop. What can you tell our listeners about uh, about her?
5: Chop Chop went great actually. Um, Last time, just got a little bit tired at the end. She was coming off the layoff. where she got beat by her stable mate, uh, the Alice Luke. She's doing great, actually. Uh, she moves very good. Looks like she bounced off the race in, in good shape. Uh, there's a filly in there named Uja Filly, who's going to be uh, extremely tough. She's been very impressive every time she runs. Uh, she's coming off a layoff, so we are hoping, you know, uh, if we can beat her, it might be the day, just because uh, fitness, she might not be as fit as mine, but uh quality wise uh she's very she's very dangerous but uh it's a, it's a nice race and there's also the field of Brennan Walsh, uh, pretty mischievous, should be uh, she should be very tough as well so it's a very uh, it's a small field but very compact in uh, talent wise
4: and actually chop chop uh, raced in a breeder's cup race back in the fall and and she was favored to win her last Saturday. Eh? so what was there... Maybe some disappointment there that she didn't win.
5: To be honest, I, I didn't ride. Uh, I didn't ride her that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I was in the race uh, riding something else. Right. But uh, I believe uh, she didn't have a, a great trip. Uh, looked like uh, she, she was pretty much wide, you know, all the way around there, and never really got a chance. But uh, maybe it was a uh, you know she got tired too. You know, it was a long campaign. Who knows? But uh, I, I was not aboard. Yeah, so that's I can't right. Really tell you sure.
1: You know, I got to ask you, as a fan of yours, and I think what you do is phenomenal and extraordinary. What's the greatest horse that you've ever ridden, and is there a horse that you would like to ride?
5: I mean, the greatest horse I've I've ridden is, uh, no doubt, it it would be a gun runner. I mean, yeah, I think Flightline last year would have been pretty fun to to be on. (laughs) 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 To be honest, you know, when when you see what he's capable of doing and you know, winning by a, a double digit all the time, it's a it makes your jump very, very fun, trust me. When you look at the competition and you see them, you know, not even close to you, it's a, it's a great feeling.
4: How do you prepare, uh, Flo, for a, a day of racing like today at, at, at Fairgrounds? Like, what's your day like uh, Like, when you get up in the morning and, and, and then by the time you get to the track afterwards to ride and that and then, you know, finish?
5: Yeah, actually, uh, on Saturday, usually it's a pretty busy uh, work day, pretty much for uh, every trainer. So usually we are very busy in the morning. We get on at least like three or four horses to breathe. Then go back home, uh, rest a little bit, you know, get ready for this, for this afternoon. We start, uh, early on, uh, on big days like this, because we, I believe we have 13 or 14 races today. Mm-hmm. So we start at 12 o'clock. So try to rest a little bit and, uh, fresh up a little bit and, uh, try to get something to eat. Not, not super heavy. And, uh, Go to the races and ride, and uh, after that, racing wise, uh, you try to study. You know, the the day before, watch as much video as you can, mm. and some of the horses you've ridden before. So it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a plus. But uh, the one you don't know, or the competition you don't know, you just try to watch some replays and get familiar with uh, how they run.
1: Do you have any superstitions? So on race day, like today, Saturday, it, it, do you dress a certain way, or you put your left sock on your right foot instead of your left foot? Something that <laughs> that's going to make you win or make you feel like a no, winner? No. It's
5: just... <laughs> No, it's it's a good question, but I don't have much. I I dress uh, according to the weather. (laughs) 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 That's
1: funny. Do you you ever get nervous? You've raced for a long time and you've been so successful. Do you get butterflies in your stomach? Do you get nervous before a big
5: race? No, I mean, sometimes. I mean, I would would not say nervous. I would say excited. Hmm. Uh, Nervous, it's out of your control. Uh, If the horse can't run, there's not much you can do. But, um, no, you just try to be double headed and try to be fo- as much focused as you can, but you can't be too nervous or think too much or overthink things. Uh, it's it's out of your control. So you try to be focused and be well-prepared and feeling good mentally and physically, and you go for it.
4: Well, well speaking of racetracks, Flo, uh, I wanted to ask you, because this I know Arlington Park was a track that uh, was very close to home for you, and... I guess you saw the news this week that the Chicago Bears football yeah. team have bought the the property. Um, what was your reaction? How did you feel about that?
5: Well, I kind of feel uh, sad about it, to be honest, because it's such a beautiful track, and uh, I just think there's so much uh, potential. It will cost a lot of money to put it back on track, to be honest. But after that, there was a Churchill down decision. It's their uh, it's their property, and for them it wasn't making much sense, you know, with having... a being the majority owner of uh, River's Casino uh, 10 minutes away, you know, so they they see it as a business, and uh, they they are very successful, you know, on on what they do. So, I mean, business-wise, maybe it doesn't make sense, you know, for them, for us, you know, it's a bit uh, heartbroken because we've seen, you know, some very great racetrack, you know, uh, uh, being uh, torn down, you know, or taken off the map. But Tarleton Park, I really believe, you know, the... The area and and the potential the track had to offer you know with this magnificent turf course and um and infrastructure the grandstand uh, it's just a little bit of a shame you know uh, hollywood park was same thing but the mm-hmm. the area was uh, was not the same, you know, it was not a great neighbourhood, stuff like this. So.
1: They call it progress, but I really doubt it, frankly. I think it's rather heartbreaking. So let's talk about the here and now. Can you describe Fairgrounds racetrack to us?
5: It's very close to the heart of New Orleans. It's one of the oldest racetrack we have in, uh, in North America, so great histories. Um, I believe it's one of the best dirt tracks I've, I've ridden. That's why you know so many uh, big trainers uh, love to train their horses on it during the winter time, and uh, they have an amazing uh, three-year-old series for Phillies and colts. So you always see you know a bunch of like uh, future uh, uh, Kentucky Derby uh, horses or Kentucky Oaks winners. Like I believe, uh, for, especially for Phillies, it's just been outstanding. You know how many winners uh, have raced or trained uh, at the FAG on the past few years. It's one of the best ones for the. To, to run for the winter, without any doubt.
4: You rode a lot in, uh, in Europe before you came to North America to, uh, to basically ride here. Uh, what's the biggest difference in riding uh, here in North America compared to uh, over in Europe?
5: Well, first of all, you know, maybe uh, dirt racing. It's, uh, it's what we it's what we have here in North America mostly, and it's where all our classic races are, are run on. Uh, on the dirt mm-hmm. over there in Europe, it's uh, it's pretty much you know it's all grass racing, and uh, distances are longer too. Most of the time over there, it starts from a mile and goes all the way to uh, a mile and a half or two miles. And him he, and here in America, it's shorter distance. It's more from six long to a mile. You don't have many races uh, above a mile, or very very few. The biggest difference is definitely the I would say the the surface. You know, it's uh, almost like dirt. You know. Uh, versus uh, turf so
4: strategy is different right
5: yeah strategy so is is different yeah i would say the, the races go a little bit slower because the races are longer
6: mm-hmm. so
5: you can't go as fast or you can't have an opening quarter and 45 if you're going to run a minor quarter on the turf it's uh, it's impossible yeah. to, <laughs> to have any half left to to finish so i would say yeah the races are a little bit uh, a little bit longer over there for
7: sure
1: Flo Giroux, you have purse earnings of over $144 million, a winner of over 1,700 races in North America. That's great. What is your long-term goal? What's next for you? What is your your short- and long-term goal in the world of horse racing?
5: Oh, I think it would be definitely to cross the wire first in the uh, Kentucky Derby. Uh, It's uh, definitely uh, on the top of my bucket list. And try to many to win as many good races as I could. Right now, I feel like I have good amount of wins, but I try to win the one I've never won before, or some of the classic I've winning before, and I would like to win them again. But you know, crossing the wire first in a Derby or winning the Britness or the Belmont or you know American Classic, those are which is uh, it's why we we waking up uh, for every day, and that's why we are working so hard to 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 be able to be in the position of riding some uh, amazing horses.
4: Who was the most influential person to you in your in your career to to make you who you are now?
5: Well, it's definitely my my father because he used to be a jockey in the trainer, so he's kind of that's why I follow his uh, it's foot footsteps. And uh, no, I mean after that, uh, he taught me a lot, and you know, it's just he's it's always. When he was still alive, you know, he loved to come to the restaurant and watch me, uh, watch me ride. I can tell he was very uh, very excited about that, very proud, and we uh, would say it, uh, it was definitely him.
4: Well, Flo, we'd like to thank you for taking the time to uh, do this interview today, and uh, good luck today uh, with It's Conquest and Chop Chop and all your other mounts at uh, Fairgrounds. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
1: And thank you, Flo. When we come back, another stellar jockey, Vernon Bush, joins us today on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059theregion. We'll be right
2: back. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HBIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to hpibet.com to join for free today. Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships combining
8: horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry, and they want to invite you to visit their Pineview dealership and view the award winning Hyundai lineup today as the I Love Winter event is on now. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905 851 2851 or visit our website pineviewauto.com and see why Pineview Hyundai remains the smart choice.
9: Ontario Racing the excitement of thoroughbred, standardbred, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario
0: Racing, three breeds, one vision. This is 1059 The Region
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Jockey Vernon Bush was recently awarded the coveted North American Randy Romero Award, given to a jockey who has overcome injuries and adversities, and he's back in the saddle again. He joins us today from Tampa Bay Downs. Vernon, welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. How are
7: you feeling? I am feeling pretty good today. Her weather's very, very warm, and, and I'm happy to be down here in Florida. We're happy for you. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. And, and make us jealous. It's it's an ice storm and it's snowy here, so, you know. <laughs> Let's talk about your career and where it all started, and what were some of the highlights for you?
7: My father was a jockey. He rode uh, from 1939 to 1972, and then, and he had to retire. But my whole life growing up, I used to go to the track with my father, and and all I wanted to do was be a jockey. That is it. Um, I started galloping horses when I was like 10 years old at uh, Old Latonia Racetrack, which is now Turfway Park, and River Downs, which is now called Belterra Park in Cincinnati, Ohio. So
1: if it's all right, we'll share with our listeners that you are 61 years young what does that mean in terms of a jockey's career? Is that at the final edge of a career, or is it, are there still many, many years for you to
7: continue riding? This just how I feel, um, that um, I can still go out there and perform 100%, give 100% of my ability. My experience and knowledge, I, I have an advantage over the younger riders for being out there for so long. But yes, sixty-one is kind of pushing it. But you know, when you love doing something so much, it, it's kind of hard to to walk away. And the way I got hurt, it wasn't the way I wanted to walk away. I want to do it on my own terms.
4: The other day, it was announced that you won the Randy Romero Award. Uh, how did that feel to you? That uh, and let's talk about that, and let's talk about the award itself, and 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 what it means.
7: Well, the award just just having Randy Romero's name on it is like is 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 a big thrill. I was very fortunate to ride with Randy on the Kentucky Circuit at Turfway Park. I rode with him at Keeneland and I rode with him at Churchill Downs. And we had the same valet uh who took care of all our stuff together, all three of them racetracks I rode at and I got to know him pretty good, and uh, he's just an awesome guy, and, and and what a fierce competitor. I mean, hey, he rode horses that I only dream about riding, but, you know, he's just a, a normal person back on the ground, and I enjoyed the time I spent with him. But winning this award is one of the highest accolades that I could have other than my children being born. Mm. Mm-hmm. And
1: why did you win the award? What was the criteria that you met and even surpassed?
7: From what I understood, was the criteria criteria was someone that had been hurt or overcame some disabilities. I had a horse fall with me and I shattered my ankle in in eight places I think and I've had two surgeries. And I also fractured my hip at the same time, but they wanted to wait till my ankle healed completely before they went in on my hip. And during that time, while they were waiting for the ankle, I had to have a second surgery because two screws broke and I had my hip done. But the, the, the award is for somebody that came back from being injured and, and still had the desire and the want and the will to win races. And do something that that he loves to do.
4: So you were off riding, correct? Two years, you know, four. when you're four. Yes, sir. Okay. So was there ever a time then that you just said to yourself, "I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to ride anymore. I, I'm going to do something else."
7: Well, I tried to do that. I was the jockeys' room supervisor at Belterra Park, and and what I did is I oversaw. The valets made sure the tack was on the, the correct horses, um, assigned valets, the horses, the saddle. And, and I was in there every day I was in there. I would just become more miserable and miserable um, because I wanted to be wearing them white pants and going out the door wearing them silks where everybody else was. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like I said. I I still love this sport more than anything. You know. So, how did you
1: end up back in the saddle again?
7: After I had uh, my hip surgery, where they actually had to replace my hip because it was so damaged when the horse fell on me. The the doctors gave me the okay, and I always wanted to get back on horses, and and. The doctors gave me the okay to, to start getting back on horses, and that was going really well. I had my weight down. This is uh, in 2020. I ended up getting on horses for about a month, and then I had one fall with me working up in Ocala, Florida, and uh, I broke my femur in three places. They had to put a plate right above my kneecap, all the way back up to over uh, where they had replaced my hips. But basically, my, my femur's got pipe clamps and wire around it and a plate, a metal plate. Once I, I was able to, to start doing it again, I went out to the track, and, and I wanted just to do something because I thought about retirement and just working at home, and, and it, it, I just couldn't do it. So I just started going back to the track, and like I said, that's when I got the job um, at at, as the clerk, um, custodian, uh, uh, jockeys room supervisor, and it just I I built myself back up to where I was able to get back on horses. And at that point, when I started, I had uh, um, I had ballooned up to like 150 pounds, (laughs) so it was getting fit. Um, losing weight, and that it, that's basically what almost took the four years. And last March, uh, a man that I was galloping horses for asked me if I wanted to ride one, and I could. I I was happy as a kid in a candy store. That we had that's so great.
4: So, what was the key to losing all that weight? Like, did you go to the sweat room a lot, or did you just? work out or like, cause that's a lot of oh, well, weight that you had to lose, right?
7: I would put on like a, a t-shirt or turtleneck, uh, a thermal. I put on a plastic suit over top of that and a heavy coat. And it was about this time last year when it was in, in the sixties in the morning and the eighties in the afternoon. And I would get on anywhere from eight to 10 horses uh, every morning. And it was slowly coming. It would just, it would just come off of me, huh. you know. And um, uh, the the day I did ride my first race, I was, I had gotten down to one hundred and twenty pounds. Mm. You know, where right now I weigh one hundred and sixteen, and I'm very happy with that.
1: Tell us about that first race back. What what went through your mind before, during, and after? Because that's a pivotal race.
7: Yes. Well. The the horse I rode was a first-time starter, and, and I had the outside post position, and my job was to have him a, a great experience. Well, when everybody loaded in the gate, we were in there, and the starter hit the button. My horse made a hard right turn, and, and he ducked out, and he ended up hurting himself. And and I ended up kind of just getting around there, and then then I rode the the very next day. And what goes through your mind is, you know, basically saying to yourself, "You know what you're getting yourself into? Are you sure you want to do this?" And everything it just it just runs through your mind like a hamster on a wheel. <laughs> but once you get on that horse and you're going out on that racetrack, you you it's all you're. you're you know you're home. That's how I feel when I'm out there on a horse and, and sitting, going to the starting gate. That that is my my happy place.
4: You rode 3,247 winners in your career. You were a major rider in New England. Is there anything you haven't accomplished in your career so far that you want to still achieve?
7: I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I've won six races in a day twice. I've won five in a day, I think, 25 times. Twice in my career, I finished third in a race and was put up to win because they disqualified the, the first and second horse. I mean, I've had a, an awesome time with my career. I've ridden at the best racetracks in the country, and, and I've ridden the little county fairs. And um, every time I go out there, it's, it's a thrill.
1: And talk about some of the best in the country, the best in North America, Tampa Bay Downs. It's Saturday morning. Vernon, what does your day look like today?
7: I don't ride anything today. I rode one yesterday. I got got on uh, eight horses this morning. And uh, I'm going to go out to the races and and hang out with some friends this afternoon.
4: And I don't want to keep going back to your injuries and that you obviously have a lot of persistence, eh?
7: <laughs> um, it's either I, I'm persistent or I'm crazy.
6: You
1: know? Maybe both, and there's nothing wrong with that. Probably, I think it is. I think it is both. Vernon, is your family supportive of, of what you've been doing? You know, they probably had a fit and were so frightened when you had those injuries, and and all, maybe equally nervous about you getting back at it. So, how do they feel about you being a jockey again?
7: The day I I shattered my ankle my brother was there and when i was laying on the ground he looked at me and he says he goes vernon you may never ever ride again the way this looks because i hadn't seen it once i started rehabbing and doing everything and they seen they seen the passion that i have for what i do and my brother my sister uh my daughter and my son They were also very supportive of me. My daughter had come out to watch. uh, uh, When I first came back last year, um, my daughter came out to watch my first couple races back. Um, In fact, the first race I win off of my injury was for my brother Mm -hmm. back at Belpera Park. And uh, but I my family is the most support. I am. I feel like I'm the luckiest man in the world because of, of the support I have from my family.
4: Well, Vernon, we'd like to thank you for coming on the show today. And remember, 61 is not old, <laughs> especially we, especially we, for a jockey. We
1: speak, And Larry and I speak from experience. Yeah.
7: <laughs> well, I do have to say there is a jockey that I ride with back home at Belterra Park who is 67 years old, or 68.
6: Yeah.
7: And he's one of the leading riders in the country every year. So age is just a number. Thank
1: you so much, Vernon Bush, for joining us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Such a pleasure.
7: Thank you very much. Anytime.
1: After the break, when we come back, Woodbine Mohawk Park handicapper Garnet Barnsdale joins us on Ponies 24-7, The Radio Magazine.
0: Ponies 24-7, The Radio Magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live in Ontario? Ever
8: dreamt about owning a racehorse? You need to take Ontario Racing's Horse Ownership 101 Virtual Seminars. Join horse racing expert, Elisa Blow, and learn about standard bred and thoroughbred ownership opportunities in Ontario, with options for every price point. These free sessions are available in a one-on-one setting or as a group. For a list of seminar dates, and to book your ownership seminar, go to ontarioracing.com horse ownership today.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Woodbine Mohawk Park handicapper Garnet Barnsdale joins us right now on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Welcome to the show. And I just want to warn the listeners that this is one of the most beautiful voices that I have ever heard. Take it away, Garnet.
10: <laughs> oh, boy, I, that's, uh, that's big shoes to fill after that <laughs> introduction. But uh, I'm always happy to come on uh, Ponies 24-7, so I'm happy to be here today and talk a little bit, hopefully, about Mohawk Park and the great year they have uh, ahead.
4: Yeah, well, let's get right into it. Uh, talk about the, the great year that they had last year and, uh, you know, what it's like so far in 2023.
10: Well, you know, it's, um, it's going to be a hard act to follow because last year we saw one of the greatest racehorses that ever hit the track have one of the greatest seasons, Bulldog Hanover, who uh, was the unanimous horse of the year at the Canadian O'Brien Awards. And, you know, uh, they have the Dan Patch Awards on Sunday night in Florida, which unfortunately I won't be at. But... um I'm assuming he's going to get voted, uh, hopefully, the unanimous horse of North America. He was that good. Um, he, uh, he set the fastest mile ever in the history of harness racing in a race at the Meadowlands in, in New Jersey in the summer. And, um, you know, he was just spent terrific all year, culminating with a Breeders' Crown win at Mohawk Park. Very popular, oh. a big crowd there um, last October on a, on a cold, cool October night. And um, but, uh, you know, we can get in a little bit about their schedule and stuff and and all the big races they have. And if you'd like me to do that as well.
1: And before you do that, I just want to know what it is that draws people to Woodbine Mohawk Park.
10: Uh, One of the biggest attractions is that you're right very close to the action. Um, When you go down to the rail, you know, you know, we hear the term rail birds, people that kind of hang out at the rail you are, you are right on the outside of the track. So you can almost reach out and touch the horses. Um, and it's interesting. One of the most more popular drivers, Jody Jameson, who's been around for a long time and, and won driver of the year, many times. And I believe he won the uh, world driving championship one time. Uh, when he wins a race, he, when he turns the horse around to go back to the winner circle, they have a, a winner circle photo, as, as I'm sure, you know, he always puts, brings it around uh, down the outside rail mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes stops and has selfies with the fans and stuff. so, uh, you know, that's one of the big attractions, but, um, you know, they also have uh, some, some really good dining uh, spots there. Of course, they have the slots for people like to gamble on that. Uh, we don't like to talk about that too much. Because <laughs> we're, we're here to talk about horse racing. But, um, you know, it's it's a little bit out of town, um, but a, a, on a warm summer night, there's not too many better places you can be than Mohawk Park.
1: Oh, I'm sold. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. Well, we were talking before about 2023, and... Talk about some of the stakes races coming up in 2023 on the schedule that uh, you're looking forward to seeing.
10: Yeah, so on June 17th, they have their signature race. It's the Pepsi North America Cup. And it's, uh, I believe the purse is 700, no, it's a million-dollar purse for three-year-old pacers. So they're kind of like the glamour boys of the sport, young horses that are racing at their peak, the best three-year-olds in the sport race that night. Um, That's their biggest night of the year. Uh, traditionally. But on that night, they also have a $450,000 stake race called the Fan Hanover for three old pacing fillies. Uh, $330,000 Roses of Red for pacing mares and uh, several other stake races. But they also have a huge night of racing on September 23rd on a Saturday night. They have the only million dollar race for two-year-old trotters. And um, the interesting part about that is it's a buy-in format for that race. So if you want to race for this million dollar purse, which if you win, you get half of it. You have to buy a spot to get in for $100,000. Oh, my so, goodness. Um, you have to have a pretty good idea. And, and you have to buy that spot, I think, by late, by mid-February. So um, it's interesting because sometimes people will buy a spot thinking they might have a good horse. But keep in mind, in February, these horses haven't even raced yet. So some, sometimes as it gets later in the year, you have people trying to sell, you know, sell their spots to other people who may have a better horse uh, at that point. That they think can win the race. But also on that night, um, uh, you know, they have $3.5 million in purses total. So they also have the Metro Pace, which is $850,000, the biggest purse for two year old pacers. On the same night, they have a half a million dollar She's a Great Lady for two year old pacing fillies, $600,000 Canadian Trotting Classic for three year old trotters, and the $350,000 Elegant Image for three year old trotting fillies. So it's almost like you're going to a, uh, going to the track and seeing the Super Bowl racing time and time again on the same night. You know, these are huge nights and typically draw good crowds. And, you know, it's a good night to be there. Kind of like party atmosphere on those two nights.
1: It's so interesting. You are a harness racing handicapper, but it sounds like you do PR for <laughs> Woodbine Mohawk Park and you did it really, really well. <laughs>
10: <laughs> Maybe they should throw me a free meal or They're something.
1: <laughs> and they'll be listening. They'll be doing that. I'm going to ask you, how did you get into handicapping?
10: Well, uh, you know, when I was very young, uh, my dad started dragging me to Greenwood Raceway, which I frequently refer to as the best track ever because mm. it was right down there on the lake. You can get there by the subway or, or so sort of the streetcar stop right in front of the main entrance on Queen Street. And it had character and, and a lot of characters, right? But you know, I was taken to the track from a very young age. Sometimes we joked that I was uh, born or conceived behind the toe board at Greenwood Raceway or maybe both. Um, so, so that's how I got into it. And then, you, you know, if, if you're going to the track, you see people betting, you start doing that a little bit. And, um, you know, the handicapping part is, is just like a puzzle every race, a different puzzle every race where, you, you know, you're trying to determine kind of how the race is going to be run and tactics and, um, you know, uh, when you're betting a race, you always want to keep in mind price. You don't want to always want to bet the favorites because they don't always win. They only win about a third of the time. Huh. So, um, and, the, and the biggest thing to keep in mind is um, the track only takes a, a cut of every dollar that's bet. So you're competing against the other bettors, which some people forget sometimes. It's a parimutuel sport. You're, you're gambling against other gamblers. So that's what makes it really interesting for me.
4: Was there a handicapper, Garnet, that you maybe followed growing up and and kind of followed his selections or maybe followed his style of picking winners or potential winners, I should say.
10: Well, there was a guy named Tom Ainsley who started out writing, he wrote a a, a very thick book, uh, Tom Ainsley's complete guide to thoroughbred mm-hmm. racing, which uh, had many very interesting chapters and, and a, and a package of a bunch of different angles. And then, so I read that, but then he wrote a book about harness racing, which I really liked. And I kind of followed him. He had like a numerical system for, for breaking the races down and picking winners, which uh, back in the late '70s and '80s worked quite well, I'm not sure how it would work now because it's a different game. It's a lot more speed oriented, and you know you have some super trainers that are much better than others. But uh, I was I was kind of a disciple of Tom Ainsley, and I, and I followed him very closely, and that's kind of how I got involved uh, with handicapping more extensively.
1: And what is it about harness racing in particular that drew you to this part of the industry?
10: Um. I think when I was young, I saw I saw guys sitting in the sulky that, uh, you know, I I realized that maybe maybe I might want to do that someday. You don't have to be small to drive a horse. Right. Like if you're uh, if you uh, reach puberty and you grow up to be, you know, five foot, eight, six foot, six feet tall and and fairly, you know, you're not really, really skinny. You're not riding a horse in a race. So that kind of intrigued me. I never, ever did do it. I mean, I've I've sat behind some now for, you know, jogging sessions and stuff. Um, I've actually, I've done it, but I've never, never competed as a driver, but uh, there was a time where I thought I might want to want to be a driver. So that's where it kind of drew me more to uh racing than thoroughbreds.
4: So when you were growing up and as a fan and, mm-hmm. and this is obviously before bulldog Hanover days, what was the greatest tourist that you, uh, you saw race?
10: Probably Camfella. Uh, yeah. I, I saw Niatras only in one race at, at, at uh, Greenwood, and he might still be the best ever. He's, he's definitely up there. But fella you know, I saw him. I saw his entire career progress right from the time where he was entered as a two-year-old against three-year-olds in a, in a, a, stake, um, a, a stake series late in his two-year-old year, and he actually won it. And um, that was when Doug Arthur was driving him before he got – sold and, and, and went into a, a different barn and was driven by Pat Crow. But I saw many, many of his 28 wins in a row, including the last one. And that was the only time I ever had tears in my eyes watching a race was when I realized I wasn't going to see Cam Feller race anymore because he showed up and delivered every single time. Um, and, you know, there was never really ever a question where he was going to win a race, whether it be by a, a head, a length, or, or five lengths, but um, just his consistency uh, kind of produced his greatness.
1: I can't get over how passionate you are about this sport. Where are you going to take that passion next, do you think?
10: I'm not sure. Right now I, I'm working a lot. Um, I do the, of course, every night I do the Mohawk, uh, Wood my Wood Mohawk Park selections for DRF Harness, which, um, I, you know, you can find me on Twitter and I, you'll see that I tweet them up. But I also work, do some work for Ontario Racing and myself and some colleagues, we handicap all the smaller tracks. So, for example tonight uh london raceway the raceway at western fair is racing and if you go on the Ontario racing website you'll find one of us doing that so um i've also uh you know i've done a lot of writing i actually won an o'brien award uh, two years ago for a piece i did on a a gentleman called bill galvin Mm -hmm. who uh who was a pioneer um pioneer in public relations in the sport and he was still working in his 80s um doing public relations so i kind of wrote uh commemorative piece on uh, how you know him, his passing and and all the uh, tri- uh, tri- uh, uh, tributes to him. Um, but I haven't done so much writing lately. So right now I'm I'm kind of full with. Uh, <laughs> I do have a full time job <laughs> too.
6: Sounds
1: um, like it.
10: <laughs> I'm currently the manager of waste collection for the region of Peel. That's uh, I'm the acting manager right now. My reg- my my base role is the supervisor, but the manager left, so I'm kind of filling his spot, which is a pretty important job, uh, making sure, you know, 350,000 homes uh, get picked up every week for garbage, recycling, yard waste, organics, and bulky items. So uh, I'm a pretty busy guy.
4: So you're the guy I complain to, right?
10: (laughs) I would, I would. If you have, a, if you live in Peel and you have a complaint, you have permission to contact me directly. Not everybody's listening, just you. Yeah.
1: How do you manage to do all the things that you've just talked about, and and this job at Peel as well? <laughs>
10: Uh, you yeah. gotta do, you have to do time management, yeah. right? You gotta like, normally when I finish my work at Peel, I take a nap after work. And then when I wake up, I eat dinner and I just start right in on this stuff and basically do it until I go to sleep. So
1: do you have a family uh, or do you have, do you have time for friends, anything do. like that? I have my,
10: <laughs> I have my wife and, and, and a son that both live with me. And, uh, you know, uh, it takes up a lot of time, but like you said, it's a passion. If I didn't do, it, if I didn't love it, I wouldn't do it. And uh, you know, it's a good little side gig too. So,
1: your father was instrumental in you getting into the, the horse racing industry. You know, Greenwood. Your memories. Are you that way with your son? Are you influencing him Is he following in your footsteps?
10: He, he is. He actually has a job uh, working for Harness Link. He's there. Um, I don't know his exact title, but he's in charge. It's a it's a big website that originates in, I believe, New Zealand and he is in charge of uh, all of the canadian content that goes on that website and manages the website so uh, he just graduated with a degree from humbert college uh, 2 years ago in journalism and uh, he, managed, he he's kind of working on that job right now full time and I, so yeah he is
4: okay well we introduced you as a harness handicapper garnet so now we're going to put you to work you're going to put your handicapping oh, yeah we're you're going to put your handicapping hat on and we're going to talk about uh, tonight's card at uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park. Let's do it. All righty. Who do you like?
10: Well, I, you know, I, I've been doing really well on Fridays and Saturdays the last several weeks, I think. Uh, two weeks in a row I had, uh, I believe it was 15 out of 32 winners on those 11 card races. So I hate to try to narrow it down to certain races because normally if I do, the other <laughs> races will come in. But yeah. Um, I'll give you one. I, I like my spot play in race five. Pipe Friends Charlie, number nine. He had a really good year last year. Um, he had a co- one comeback race, so he's only had one start this year. He was second He was second to a horse that has already come back to win again and beat better horses in, in his next start. So I think that's a good frame of reference for him. He's got post number nine, which means um, it's the widest post. So he's got a little bit to overcome, but that also means he's going to be a good price. So... I'll I'll give you number nine in uh, race five, Pipe Rance Charlie. Also in in race six, I like number three, the Will to Play. Um, uh, He was in against a very tough horse called Camera Moment in his past two starts, a horse that won a stake series. So I think uh, number three, the Will to Play, will improve sharply in race six.
4: Okay. Well, Garnet, we want to thank you for being on again. And, uh... Uh, I was only kidding. I'm not going to complain to you about you know. <laughs> oh, the, the waste. I do live in Peel, though. So. <laughs> well,
10: you, you, know where, you know where to find me if you have an issue. Yeah. And I'll get it fixed. That's my job.
1: Garnet, would you do me a favor before you go? Would you please say you're listening to Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine, in that fabulous voice of yours?
10: You're listening to Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine.
1: Nicely done. <laughs> Garnet, thank you so much for joining us on the show. You were terrific. Anytime. After the break, Larry Simpson looks at some racing action today all around North America, including Woodbine Mohawk Park. Make sure your HBI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime today. Stay with us for Larry's Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com.
8: Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships combining horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry, and they want to invite you to visit their Pineview dealership and view the award winning Hyundai lineup today as the I Love Winter event is on now. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905-851-2851, or visit our website, pineviewauto.com, and see why Pineview Hyundai remains the smart choice.
0: This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson.
1: Before we wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems? As Larry gives us his Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocketship Racing. We're ready, Larry.
4: So am I. Hopefully. <laughs> They're off. Before I get into it, though, I'd just like to uh, thank the Fitzdares people. They're one of the sports betting uh, groups uh, out of England that have been approved for the uh, Ontario Lottery uh, sports betting. Excellent. And uh, they hosted a Super Bowl party uh, last Sunday at uh, Harbour 60, downtown Toronto. And uh, they, they welcomed both my wife and I there. And it was just a, a job well done. And... Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, doing more with FitStairs. A fu-
1: future partnership. Give us yep. the name again.
4: It's FitStairs, F-I-T-Z-D-A-R-E-S.
1: Excellent. You, yep. s- you passed the spelling audition. I did. Very yeah. well done. Now,
4: let's see if I pass the uh, handicap Let's get your ponies here. picks. Okay, let's start at Fairgrounds. As mentioned earlier, uh, they're hosting a 13-race card, including the Risen Star Stakes. And the combination of friend of the show, Flo Giroux, and trainer Brad Cox could have a big day, and it could begin in the uh, fourth race, I think, which is a maiden special weight, six furlongs on the dirt, for three-year-old fillies, a purse of $70,000. Number two, Merlaza, hails from the Brad Cox barn, and Flo Giroux will ride as he was aboard this filly when she debuted at Fairgrounds on January 21st, where she finished second beaten ahead in this race. Merlaza made a three-wide move at the half, and dueled for the uh, lead and was just denied a victory in this her first start. Uh, Brad Cox takes the blinkers off, and he's uh, 32% with this move. Uh, He's worked uh, Malaza twice since that last race with two four-furlong back-to-back works, and Brad is 27% with horses making their second start. And listen to this, the combo of Brad Cox and Flo Giroux are 42% in 2022 and 23 at fairgrounds, and 25% overall. So wow. uh, you got some good numbers there. So Fairgrounds, race four, number two, Merlazzo.
1: That's impressive.
4: Woodbine Mohawk Park has an 11 race card, and race one is a one-mile pace for person $19,000. There's a field of 10 that have been entered, including number nine, Silk Road Smash, Silk Road Smash whose last two races have been smashing, to say the least. (laughs) In these last two starts, Silk Road Smash has been beaten a total of a half a length. Last week, Silk Road Smash was third over behind stalled cover, turning into the stretch, and then raced well to finish a close third. A friend of the show, James McDonald, was in the bike last week for the first time and is listed to drive again tonight, which is a strong second-time driver angle that we speak about all the time, and we like that angle. And since being reunited reunited with uh, his former trainer, uh, Nick Gallucci, Silk Road Smash looks like a new horse. So Woodbine Mohawk Park, race one, number nine, Silk Road Smash. Uh, Santa Anita has a nine race card today, and race seven is a uh, one mile on the turf for three-year-old fillies that are still maidens and are racing for a $62,000 500 claiming tag. A uh, purse of $42,000 is a compact field of f- of eight that have been signed on, including number two, Luna, murfer, Luna
1: I could not say that more than once. I, I can't How did you say, do that? I don't know. I say, can't it I, say it again. Say it again.
4: Luminiferous. Well, God bless yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. So I, I can't see the announcer saying that either. But uh, anyways, <laughs> I think uh, this horse has got a lot going for her, including making her third start off the layoff, first lay six, and the all-important class drop from maiden special weight to maiden claiming. On top of this, uh, she shows five well-spaced workouts. Uh, last four are at the key five furlong distance. And I like the fact that champion Canadian jockey Kazuki Kamura is back in the saddle today. So he rode her in the December 30th start. So there's lots to like here. So Santa Anita, race seven. Number two, Luminiferous. Bravo. Yeah. <laughs> I got through it. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, let's go to the Metal ends. They have a 14 race card tonight. And race 12 is a one-mile pace for a purse of $17,500. Number one, Stonebridge Reef has been a picture of consistency since January 7th with a win out of the 10 hole, uh, three second-place finishes, and a third and a fourth. That fourth-place finish was actually Stonebridge Reef's uh, last start where he drew the nine-post and raced ninth-parked out for most of the race, but in the stretch was a fast-closing fourth, beaten only two-and-a-half lengths, pacing his mile and 50 and 2, his last quarter in 26 and 4. The one post should really help this guy tonight. I also like the fact that top driver, Dexter Dunn, drives Stonebridge Reef again for the second time, so we have the second time driving angle. So the Meadowlands race 12, number 1, Stonebridge Reef.
1: Ah, Larry... You had me at hello, and now I'm saying goodbye. Wonderful being with you. I look forward to next Saturday. And before we say goodbye, I also say hello to Mark at Fans of Horse Racing. Big shout-out to him. Now it's time to say goodbye, and thank you all for joining us for this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Just a reminder, if you would like to receive a free digital copy of the current issue of Ponies 24-7, the magazine, and a new one will be released shortly, email Larry Simpson at The Ponies, 247experience at gmail.com. And don't forget about The Ponies 24-7. Lymphoma Canada campaign, don't horse around with lymphoma. For more information on this, go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca forward slash ponies. Please donate to a worthy cause. Stay with 105.9 The Region all weekend long, and thank you so much for listening.
0: Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine with Ann Romer and Larry Simpson, has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more from the world of horse racing. This is 1059, the region.